like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a coup. Hello, you beautiful sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for homing pigeon fanciers. <laughs> Up for discussion this week is Nancy Drew and the Password to Larkspur Lane. So here, as always, Karen, is my opening thought for which to ponder. Mm. Our ponder thought, as it were. A pon- <laughs> yes. So Card- Carson, Carson, Drew... You may know him. He sounds familiar. Carson, he like pseudo casually reveals at the beginning of this book, like in chapter two, that there are escaped convicts just roaming about River Heights. Just yes. Willy nilly. Yeah. Running amok. Uh-huh. Um, one of whom was a corrupt attorney. And I got to say, I like to think he was a River Heights DA, but that's just me. Um, Wait. But like. What? Okay. You're going to be disappointed in me in my procedural drama skills but what does that mean (laughs) a district attorney yeah but like what's the difference between just being a regular attorney and a district attorney a district attorney works for the district so he's like a a city or like a city attorney he he represents the police he's he's the order to the law or i see i see as opposed right like yes he is prosecuting cases He's the prosecutor. I gotcha. Okay. Versus a private attorney that's like, help me. Correct. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Like Carson. Who, <laughs> correct. Now, I'm sure someone will be like, that's not exactly right. But listen. <laughs> Good I'm enough. an expert based on SVU. But anyway, they don't actually say that he's a DA, but I just kind of like to imagine that. So I like that. Um, but the question is, that was all just set up for the ponder thought. What is literally wrong with River Heights? Dude. Dude. Everyone, like, River Heights is broken. There is so much crime. And now yes. escaped convicts running around trying to... Mur- I would believe. I would I would. I know. <laughs> well, and, and everybody's just so like, oh, you know, just a convict on the loose. No big. Like, watch your back when you get out of the parking lot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she gets, she gets accosted by this by this convict in the parking lot of the police station. Yes, and then Carson tells her about the escaped convicts. I Correct. would have hoped that conversation would have come up before an incident happened. Like, immediate, immediately. <laughs> oh. Like, hey, this dude that I helped put away, on the He's loose. on the lamb, and we could be in grave danger. <laughs> Shouldn't there be, like, a woo-woo siren or, like, a big, like, train whistle that blows out of the steeple of the of the state pen or the river heights incarceration location a citywide text message alert alert (laughs) thank you thank you yeah no great ponder thought i was distressed by that also (laughs) glad it wasn't just me kept me up karen i'm so sorry Um, so yeah, what were you up to this week before we dive into what is the best book of all time? Mm. This week. Okay. So bear with me. Give this a grain of salt. I feel like my updates for you make me sound really cranky (laughs) and I'm, I'm in a great mood. I had a great week, but my updates sound a little like 
curmudgeonly. <laughs> um, Isn't first, everyone a little bit curmudgeonly after this last year? And that, therein lies my point. So my first curmudgeonly statement is that I completed a reading project this week that was Ooh. so painful to me. And I, I can't say much about it on this podcast because it was... Uh, what was it? Uh, an X-rated read. Do you you know about these books? Did did you know about Anne Rice's Sleeping Beauty trilogy? Yes, that she wrote under a pen name like years and years and years ago. Yes, yeah. So um, they are not for everyone. I will say, no. and these are not fairy tales in the classic sense. Let's no, put it that way. Deeply X-rated, and I. Uh, like probably two years ago started reading the first book in this trilogy which was better than the second two um not saying a whole lot but (laughs) i have so many follow-up questions i just like i I felt for some reason determined to finish the trilogy because i had purchased them all and i finally this week i was like i just have i was almost done with i was like 75 percent of the way through the third book and i was like i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna finish it so i like this is literally what one can call like hate reading and uh (laughs) they're done though it's it's behind me and so that's checked off my list (laughs) you can check that off your list but you can probably never scrub your brain fully clean so no and like for people that don't know about these books oh exercise caution but like if you know you know and um i hilariously once at a bookstore overheard this older woman returning these books at the bookstore and she was horrified and said my book club chose this is our book club book we thought it was a a regular Anne rice book and we were just scandalized and was returning them and i I know what these books are, and I was just <laughs> dying picturing this, like, kindly yes. suburban book club uh, diving into these these books and being horrified. That's, that's like, the, there's a movie with, like, Diane Keaton and a whole bunch of, it's, I think it's called The Book Club, where they read Fifty Shades. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is but the, I th- but the I think, equivalent. I think they know what they're getting into, though, as opposed to just being like, let's read these Anne Rice books. Maybe there's a vampire, and... Then there is exactly not a vampire. Exactly what I think people assume. They're like, "Oh, Anne Rice, I know what I'm what I'm in for." And oh, no. surprise! <laughs> well, Karen, um, congratulations? Question oh, mark. Th- I'm, ha- I'm <laughs> happy you. for you. <laughs> like a, a normal person would have said, "I am miserable. I'm going to stop reading these." But I was like, "I've come this far. Just get it done." And woof, I did. Um, okay, my second curmudgeonly statement, and I am curious. If you are having this experience post quarantines, we are not post pandemic, but post a lot of the the big restrictions. So happy to be out in the world. So happy to see people. Like it's been a real pleasure to even just run errands, as we discussed last week. But I do feel like my general veneer of calmness and patience has become very thin. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I completely know exactly what you mean. Like, being around other people is weird. And I just, I don't, the only way I can describe this is that places that I think normally felt normal, I I, I have no words to describe this. I'm like, why is everyone so loud? (laughs) Yes. Well, and then you have that moment of like, it must be me. Yes. 
A hundred percent. And and I think it's I think I think it's fifty fifty. Like I think part of it is like I've gone sixteen months now with like out having to encounter the horrible general public. And then half of it is like, no, everyone's loud and aggressive and like, like throwing like, elbows in the home goods. And like Target. You know? Yeah. I'm like just waiting to check out with like a dumb thing at Target. I'm like, why is everyone shouting? <laughs> like, it's so loud. And then, so it was our anniversary this week and we had a glorious dinner. Yay, and happy this... anniversary. Thank you. And like, it was a five, like five stars, very pleasant experience. But a dude sitting at the table next to us literally snapped his fingers at the waitress and was like, I need to get another wine over here. And I was like, my jaw oh my hit God. the table. I was like, is this what people do? <laughs> like, Unacceptable, what is wrong sir. with you? What is, I was like, it's like, oh, have bro. you gone feral in quarantine? Like, yeah, you don't was, do that, sir. I like, I was also, also this, this is why no one wants to work in restaurants anymore. They're like, oh, that year where I didn't have people snapping in my face for wine. That was a good year. Totally. Not, I don't so, want to do that anymore. So those are my, that's kind of like where I'm at right now, but I will end with this. I did get to meet a baby dog this week and it was and then it restored what, my what, whole faith what kind of baby dog what what flavor it was <laughs> yes what flavor was it so he looks like a little baby black lab but apparently he's many different things and he is so tiny and so sweet his name is mr snacks and he's my friend leslie and ben's dog and i'm sorry he is, pause mr yeah. snacks mr snacks <laughs> yeah. like pretzels chips snacks all, all of the snacks. Yes, that is him. <sighs> He's a baby oh, angel. God. My ovaries. I, I held him in my arms. I kissed him on his little head. And then everything was right in the world again. So yes, ultimately, every... <laughs> despite my bad attitude, I have been course corrected by a baby dog. <laughs> baby dogs fix everything. Mr. Snacks. Ugh. I love him. Um, okay, that is my tirade and scoop. How have you been? What have you been doing? Well, Karen, um, <laughs> so <clears throat> the high, I mean, I had a great week. My week was great. I did all the things I wanted to do. Okay. Um, yesterday, great day. Um, I watched approximately 13 hours of a TV show on Discovery Plus about stalkers. Noise. <laughs> while... Dur during which time I was cross-stitching a Wizard of Oz sampler yes. with a cat in my lap. So yes. I'm just saying, I think my disguise to infiltrate Larkspur Lane is, like, complete. <laughs> you're you're I'm old there. woman. Well, and I'm I go, there. I'm your matching accessory because I'm there waving my fist going like, everybody's shouting. Why are kids yes. so rude? <laughs> yes. You're like, lower your voice. <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds like a... <laughs> awesome situation so that was my that was the highlight of my week like it was legit great um i'm terrified to go like sleep alone but yeah i know. was just gonna say like has the a billion hours of stalker stuff made you afraid to leave your home <laughs> One, it's it's made me both afraid to leave my home and to stay in my home so no nowhere safe oh kelly that's bad i know um, I'm a man with no country. Um, so also got to spend some quality time in my basement on Friday night. Uh, because, because I am reference original bullet point. I am an old lady. I was in bed like at about 930 and bedtime for me in the summer in my old house with 
poor airflow is like underwear only. It's and hot, hot. It's hot. All, hotter than blue blazes, as our family would say. Hotter than blue blazes. So I'm like in bed, 9.30, no clothes. I mean, covered, you know what I mean. And <laughs> like, you know, my phone starts blowing up at me that, you know, I better like hie myself to the basement because a storm's a brewing and like, oh. the tornado sirens are going off. So I have to re-get dressed, collect the cat, uh, collect whatever I think is important in my life should I survive a tornado, which is essentially the cat in my wallet. Yep. And go hang out in my basement for like an hour. So that Dang. was Dang. Cool. Mm-hmm. Was there was there an actual NATO? Like did a shark NATO come down from the sky? I don't I mean nowhere near me, but there was like a I I can never remember which one is worse. I think a warning is the bad one. I can't um, remember either, yeah. Like, I think you watch for one. Like, we're on high alert, and we're watching, and we're watching, and we're watching, and then there, there is one. It's a warning. Like, yes. I think that's how it goes, but I am right. not a meteorologist. So, um, anyway, it was, it was the, it was the, the bad like, one. Like, we've seen one somewhere in the vicinity, <gasps> but, Ugh. you know, I mean, that can be, like, you know, miles and miles away. So, anyway, oh I did what I was supposed to do and went to my basement. Um, that's also, so scary. That, co- that concludes my updates, but I do need to say, I need to rectify two major wrongs from last week. Just <laughs> From the podcast? Play. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so last week we talked about the inheritance games. Yes. And I had a new bottle of rosé. And <laughs> that's just, it's just an interesting point to keep in mind as I go over these next two things. Okay. I can't wait for where this is going. Um so two two quick points. Um I called the breakfast making machine in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang a um help me. A Rube Goldberg. A Rube machine? Goldberg machine. Yeah. Which it is not. Oh, okay. I immediately I upon hanging up with you, I went and like pulled up the clip on, on the YouTube and no, it's just like an invention. But it is not a Rube Goldberg machine. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's a that. Listen, it's Rube Goldberg esque. That's a okay. little bit arguable and fuzzy. So I still give you credit for that. Number ain't, two, ain't no thing. Number two, <laughs> I referred to one of the young men in the book, Jameson. Uh, Jameson. I said he reminded me of a pirate. You did, and. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you very graciously just went along with it as if you knew what I was talking about. I was I was a little confused, but I, I was <laughs> like I can is... I can get there in my imagination. <laughs> well, he's he's maybe the opposite of piratey. Like <laughs> he's like NASCAR-y in some scenes and he's like you know Edward Cullen and some, but he is not. He does not piratey. But <clears throat> I, I, I believe in my again rose. Um, I, I was thinking that Jameson, the beverage, yes, had a pirate mascot, which oh. they do not. That would be Captain Morgan, which is rum. A different situation and not his name. So, oh my god! This anyway, explains just so much. To clear that up. 
<laughs> I get it now. I get where the pirate reference came from, and yeah, God bless you, my child. <laughs> Thank you. Moving right along. You want to tell us about this book? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. I actually have, like, tears coming out of my eyes. I'm just picturing, like, a crossover branding situation with, like, Captain Captain Morgan defects from the rum game. And he's, like, he's an Irish whiskey man. (laughs) Right? I'm, like, he's an Irish pirate. Like, what the hell? I am super here for that. Like, an Irish, Irish land pirate. It's Ooh. kind of like Outlander or something. No, okay. Ooh, Listen, no, we're, no, we're, we're going to offend the entire like aisle. So. Moving along. Moving along. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kelly. The password to Larkspur Lane. Girlfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I I've said the title of this book wrong about a hundred times to myself, and in my notes I keep calling it the password of Larkspur Lane. The Lark. I, anyway, it's the password yes. to Larkspur Lane. This is our last book written by ghostwriter Walter Kerrig, and. Which- is a shame. It, it is because I think he crushed it. Yeah. This book ruled. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, but this is our last Walter Kerrig. I'm kind of sad about it. Um, I am curious if you have heard the same feedback I have. I've definitely seen it on Instagram. So many people have said to me, this is my favorite Nancy Drew book or this really was, like, the people in my life that love Nancy Drew, like my mom or something, this was their favorite Nancy Drew book. Like, people were very excited about this book. And that made nice. me excited because I had no idea what we were in store for. I, I mean, I haven't heard that, but that makes complete sense. So. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, it's mine now, too. So. <laughs> oh, completely. Like, this has blown all of the others out of the water as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Um, are you ready for fun facts? Yes, always. Okay, so this book was so beloved that it inspired great art. Um, In 1938, this story was used as a basis for the movie Nancy Drew Detective, which was the first of four Nancy Drew books. I don't know what the other ones are yet, but we'll find out. Um, So there is a 1938 movie based on this book, which we should for sure watch. Yeah, we should. And then... I, so I have not watched the Nancy Drew television television show because you warned me off and said it was very ghosty. Uh, so yes. I have I have stayed away. But apparently there is an episode of the show called yes. The Lady of Larkspur Lane, which is very different. It's not the same plot, but it is an homage to this book. And in the mm-hmm. episode, Nancy, Ned Nickerson, and George visit a local insane asylum, which is named Larkspur Lane. So like, yes, I've seen this episode. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Was it good? No, it's great. It's very ghosty. I no, no, can't do it. I'll take the whole, word the for whole it. Sh- the whole show is is extreme. It's it's supernatural. Like there's, I mean, I've only watched the first season, but it's it's supernatural. It's not like earthbound causes to things. I'm gonna so. have to quit the podcast if this is the direction these books start going because I cannot. But we're we're still good for now. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Um, okay. Last fun fact for you. So. The original cover art at one point was going to be revised. Mm-hmm. The, the The picture was drawn. It was ready to, ready to ship, as they say. But it was so scandalous that they shelved it. And so here is the quote that I found on the Wikipedia. Collectors, it was so scandalous they shelved it? Scandalous. And you're going to LOL so hard. Collectors speculate that Grosset and Dunlap commissioned an updated illustration in 1953. However... Due to the presentation of Nancy posed crouching in a pencil skirt, 
The new painting may have shown an indiscreet display of her thigh where the slim skirt crept slightly above the knee. Presumably, this was deemed inappropriate for American readers and the artwork was shelved. (laughs) Okay. Yep, yep. And apparently it later appeared on British dust jackets in like 1960 or something when people were like loosening up a little bit, but there was a sliver of above the knee leg shown and they were like we, we can't we can't it's like avert your gaze yeah um so that is what i have for you on this wow on this book. well it's it's interesting you bring up the cover because i when i pulled this off my shelf i was like oh my god i don't think i've ever seen this cover before same like, it's a very um memorable cover <laughs> but kind of like it's not even creepy it's like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. It's a, definitely a dramatic departure from the covers yes. we've seen so far. Correct. So I know I've seen it because I know I've read the book, but I have no recollection. So um, worry for me. Well, would you like to tell me what mm-hmm. you chose as the winner of our one sentence plot submission for the cover? Speaking of yes. the art. <laughs> and Yes, 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 I can. And I am picking two. Because it's my section and I do what I want. So, <laughs> Perfect. Um, and that, I mean, we had like multiple good entries. So like, I, okay, listen, there is this fly right now that is buzzing around my head. It's, I think it has like rotors on it, like helicopter style. I'm sure you will be able to hear this. Uh, that's what I, I was like. I can't wait to listen to the recording and see if we can hear it buzzing around you. <laughs> it's gigantic. Um, okay. So first, first one sentence plot submission honorable mention noteworthy winner is from at dana cordelia dana who says nancy truly began to question her life choices after her second time delivering contraband neko wafers and worthers to the and worthers to the flushing meadows retirement home (laughs) and at patrick tesh said (gasps) the annual yay i don't know patrick he seems awesome um The annual White House Nancy Lawn Picnic was cut short when host Nancy Reagan carefully called their attention to both impending storm clouds and a disoriented and angry ghost of Herbert Hoover coming in from the West. (laughs) That's amazing. Applause, applause, applause. Oh, so for context, Patrick and I used to work together and is one of the funniest souls in the world. I believe Patrick has done stand-up comedy, so I am 0% surprised that he has crushed it with the one-sentence plot summary. This this one-sentence plot summary from Patrick, I'm like... This this is this is a jumping off point for like a full stand up sketch. Like an improv moment. That is I I would buy tickets to that immediately. Me too. I don't I don't <laughs> want to be in it. Oh, beautifully done, Dana and Patrick. Thank you so much for that. That made my well my weekend. <laughs> so Karen, are you gonna like super fast plot us or what? I would love to. Um <clears throat> I'm ready. I always have to clear my throat because I'm about to say so many words so many words all right our plot begins when nancy is tending to her flower garden and a plane almost crashes into river heights the plane swoops away but a wounded carrier pigeon bearing a mysterious message about bluebells falls into nancy's waiting arms i'm kind of exaggerating but not really 
Nancy knowledgeably wires the International Federation of American Homing Pigeon Fanciers, or as I like to call it, the IFA HPF, to give them the bird's tracking number so she can find out who sent the mysterious message, aka clue, aka trailhead, to her next mystery. Meanwhile, Hannah Gruen throws out her back getting some pickles from the basement, so Nancy takes her to see Dr. Spires, who has had some very weird encounters lately. He was kidnapped by men in a black sedan and then driven to a mysterious mansion to treat an old lady who was not allowed to speak to him. In a silent cry for help, the old woman sneakily hands him a golden bracelet with a mysterious coat of arms on it. Dr. Spires gives Nancy the bracelet so that she can start sleuthing. Creepy thugs immediately start following Carson and Nancy everywhere, so Carson reluctantly reveals that he recognizes one of their stalkers as Adam Thorne, an escaped convict who went to jail for embezzling the assets of an estate. Thorne had also been a River Heights attorney and was disbarred prior to his trial. Carson was in charge of gathering the evidence against him. Thorne and his henchmen clearly want Nancy to stop snooping around about this golden bracelet. Nancy drops the bracelet off with a jeweler to get more scoop on the crest. The same day, Nancy learns from the League of Pigeon Aficionados that the pigeon she caught was unregistered, so it's definitely some criminal sending secret notes around to the sky. She's very stoked. Helen Corning shows up in town and invites Nancy to her grandparents' house to solve another mystery, which, come on, you should know this by now, it's definitely going to be related to the first case. Weird stuff has been happening in her grandparents' lake house. They keep keep seeing a blue circle of fire in the woods that's clearly signaling to someone, and their manservant Jeeves, JK, his name is actually Morgan, has been acting very sketched out. Nancy's like, I'm kind of booked right now, but I'll come back tomorrow to see if I can help. Back at home, a dumb kid named Johnny lets the wounded carrier pigeon out, so Nancy has to follow the pigeon in her car to see where it goes. She finds a gang lair full of carrier pigeons, and now the bad guys really want to get her. Carson says she should lay low for a while, so he gives her a new convertible and she goes back to the Cording's lake house. Then some things happen really fast. Number one, the jeweler lets Nancy know that the crest on the bracelet is from the Eldridge family of St. Louis. Then, Nancy saves a little girl from a speedboat accident who, gasp, is named Marie Eldridge. And her mom, an Eldridge, tells Nancy that the bracelet belongs to her missing aunt-in-law. We learn then, number three, that manservant Morgan is a former criminal, but he's a good guy now and is being blackmailed by Adam Thorne, the escaped convict, to help rob the Corning's house. The blue fire in the woods has been warning him to get ready to help with the heist or else. The bad guys that are blackmailing Morgan are leaving larkspur flowers all around, as well as clues talking about bluebells. I know, that's a lot, and it happened fast, but Nancy Drew. Nancy sets up a sting operation in the courting house to try to catch the bad guys, but it fails, and they capture Morgan, so that sucks. She drives all around to try to find a house with lots of larkspur, or bluebells, a la the clues they've been finding. So, long story short, Nancy, Bess, and George find a mansion in the middle of the woods where old ladies are being held hostage, sanatorium style, and tricked into signing away their life savings by an evil Dr. Bell and his crony, Adam Thorne. Mrs. Eldridge, the woman they've been looking for, a.k.a. a bracelet lady, is parked in her wheelchair by a fence and whispers the evil goings-on to Nancy and co. Nancy and Bess wear costumes, as an old lady and her nurse, respectively, to break in and bust out Mrs. E using the password they found on the carrier pigeon's body. But Nancy gets mega-trapped by the bad guys and thrown in a well. Sorry, it's a cistern, but I don't really know the difference between those things. (laughs) 
Using nothing but a nail, she climbs out of the well, sends a carrier pigeon to Ned for help, slashes the bad guy's tires, and slashes the airplane fuel system, and several cops fly in in helicopters and sailplanes to finish saving the day. Mrs. E and the other old ladies are rescued, as well as reformed manservant Morgan. The bad guys, as always, immediately confess to everything, and Nancy is given the golden bracelet, some crystal earrings, and a Ned's promise to find her another mystery to solve. The end. Oh my god, your line about how Mrs. Eldridge is parked in her wheelchair next to the fence... (laughs) Uh, it's too perfect. So, well, I had to that, address it because that is, in fact, the cover of the book. <laughs> it is the cover of the book. Um, okay, before we go crazy on this book, which we shall, uh, it's time for your general thoughts and musings, Kelly. This book had everything. Like, oh, Stefan yes. from SNL style, right? <laughs> like, it had everything. I mean, it had homing pigeons. It had, you know, like, kidnappings multiple kidnappings it had a whole like costume plot infiltration moment like it crazy i I loved it best one yet i like we talked about this before but like i am officially a walter kerrig fan he left too soon um my favorite part i had two favorite parts specifically my first favorite part was nancy when nancy breaks into the mansion the retirement home whatever there's an old lady who thinks nancy has been cured of old age by a doctor (laughs) because she's dressed as an old lady but she moving fast she's very spry (laughs) i was rolling my second favorite part is nancy getting out of that silence of the lamb cistern oh yeah def that was my favorite part too yeah it was amazing it was amazing um like not to change the subject because I want your thoughts and musings, but like as opposed to dealing with all of my snaky worst nightmares, which also came up in this book, but we began this book with your worst nightmare, which is a near plane crash. Oh, care we to, did. Care to comment? Oh, yeah, we did. It, like sentence one, a plane is crashing. They they're like they hear the engines cut out, and I actually put the book down and went nope 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 <laughs> nope nope, and I walked away from it for a minute, and then I regathered my composure and said kelly's had to read about a snake and snake bites in every single one of these books i must continue I can on. do this yeah but i was not stoked about that at all <laughs> yeah what are your other thoughts and musings karen oh dude this book was so legit <laughs> i loved it yes. um i think my most highly rated book was the one with the submarine plot Li- lilac in lilac in yes i loved the submarine book because wtf and this one was all of that and more and it made sense so it was fantastic um and my my like tagline i wrote for this book if i had to like sell it in an infomercial was nancy drew now with more badass than ever before (laughs) (laughs) true this is like nancy 007 yeah it was awesome and i think my favorite part was there's this kind of throwaway character in the book named effie that we'll talk about later but there's this just very funny conversation that's irrelevant where she's very stoked Nancy is a I almost almost said a magician (laughs) a detective you are longing for a magician I am she's very excited Nancy's a detective and she's like Nancy did you ever hear about the girl who disappeared when she was shot out of a cannon 
And Nancy's like, no, Effie, I didn't. And she's like, yeah, you want to guess where they found her? And Nancy's like, I don't know, Effie, in the canon. And she's like, oh, so you have heard this one before. And Nancy just, like, <laughs> walks away. She's like, this, this she's girl like, is this girl. crazy. So that was my favorite part that is completely not related to the plot. <laughs> no, that was that was also a very funny part. Like, yeah. Na- Nancy just cuts straight to the end of the Agatha Christie. Yep, yep. So, ugh. Don't you um, those people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are my thoughts and musings. And with that, shall we deep dive? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so may I begin with classic mystery elements? I would love that. Yes, please. My my bailiwick. Okay. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <clears throat> first off, we have coded messages all over the place. Everywhere. So, everywhere. Which, you know, I love a coded message. You do. My favorite part in these books. Um, so we have a carrier pigeon, which, yeah, OMG, y'all. I mean, <laughs> they're just all so cavalier about, oh, look, a, a carrier pigeon has like been flung out of this crashing plane, and oh, look, it's got like this deeply mysterious coded message attached to its leg, which is like, um, at five o'clock, bluebells will become singing horses. You dun, dun, dun. raise such a good point. They are not surprised at to all. encounter a carrier pigeon at all, no, which I had mean, not occurred to me. <laughs> no, I mean, carrier pigeons to me are like out of Harry Potter. I'm like, let's call this carrier pigeon Hedwig. Like, it, it, this is, I mean, I know that they're real, but they're, but aren't they real in like a very kind of world war one world war two like spy sense you know like i mean these are this can't be normal they're so unruffled by this idea that this carrier pigeon has just fallen from the sky into their garden i love that you said unruffled i was like they didn't get their feathers ruffled kelly oh <laughs> sorry sorry great Sub- point subconscious though. but yeah so okay so we've got a carrier pigeon um we have symbols on airplanes. So the airplane itself is branded. It's it, this, this cracks me up when it's like having, um, a, a business card for your evil counterfeiting syndicate. Like, <laughs> yes. don't you want to kind of keep that under wraps? Like, why would you print on the side of the plane? Like, nefarious intentions inc i mean i don't get it so so on the side of their plane they have a a picture of a flying horse and that i guess is their calling logo yeah yeah (laughs) their brand um (laughs) i i do have a question though on this flying horse because it is referred to as a flying horse the entire time and for nancy drew who knows the word fuselage doesn't she know what a Pegasus is? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's, yeah. No, no, apparently not. <laughs> I'm like, what is what is a flying horse? Well, it's got to be a horse with wings, right? Otherwise, it would just be a horse. Like, as in, a unicorn is a horse with a horn. Otherwise, it's just a horse. So this yeah, got to be a horse yeah. with wings. Which, flying, unless flying I'm horse. grossly mistaken is a pegasus but whatever we move on there's I'm a just, flying horse on their plane i'm just picturing my little ponies right now so mm. yes the flying horse on the airplane had like a tiny little old lady stamped on its butt a little a little rainbow 
knife. <laughs> yeah, right. A little walker. Yeah, yes. <laughs> on its rump. Um, okay, we've got passwords, which amazing sauce. Yeah. Uh, once yep. you crack the code, uh, once like once you know that Bluebells is the first password, then like cracking the code of the homing pigeon gets pretty easy to solve. Like at five o'clock, Bluebells will become singing horses. Yes, so, it's the okay. the changeover of the password. Yeah, right. We're changing the password. Um, here's here's one thing I didn't understand, which I believe also was some kind of like coded message, but. The whole Helen Corning's grandparents mystery starts off because they keep seeing this ring of blue fire. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, <clears throat> okay, so here's what I know to be true about this, which will peter off quickly because I was also confused by this. There are a couple of henchmen in the forest that are trying to send signals to Morgan, the manservant in the house, to say, the time is coming. We are going to rob this house left and right. You are going to help us. And time is running out. So, like, get ready or else type of thing. So it's like a warning they're showing him, like, it's coming. The time's coming. And it's mm-hmm. the, the blue fire is moving closer to the house each day. So okay. I, I could be reading a lot into this, but it's like, Time's a ticking, buddy. But okay. it's it's a message to Morgan in theory. But like, why would Morgan know what that meant? <laughs> Correct. We're going to get to that later. So yeah. let's just put a dot 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 behind that. But yeah, yeah. So there's this ring of fire. Um, Morgan then gets another um, coded message. He gets it and he actually faints in front of Nancy. Or he has a heart of- attack. Yeah. He right. Um, he gets this greeting card that has a house with a, like, a cottage with an open door on the front. Yeah. Um, which is a message telling him that he, Nancy figures this out, that the message is telling him that he needs to, like, open the back door so these thieves can get in. Yeah, and it had, like, a really creepy message on it, which I don't have in front of me, but it said something like, it was, like, a very just innocuous greeting card message but in this context was like ooh, it said like it was something about friendship right like i'll always be ready to welcome in a new friendship or something mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's the kind of the creepiest thing we've ever said in nancy drew i liked yeah. it yeah it was it was a shiver inducer for sure so um and then and then we have the family crest clue so oh yes my favorite so one of the biggest clues in this is that um richard spires who i went oh my gosh is he marianne spears long lost relative because her father is richard spear but whatever Um, let's let's start spreading that rumor that is correct and true yes this is (laughs) this is the crossover point between nancy and the babysitter's club so um (laughs) dr spires gets kidnapped to go take care of this elderly woman who's like broken a collarbone or whatever and while he's there she slips him this this bracelet that has a family crest so that's kind of, you know, Nancy, of course, starts investigating, and that's how she figures out who this old lady is, that she's an Eldridge, a member of the Eldridge family. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting an interesting way to, like, an interesting clue. Rather than, like, slipping a piece of paper that says, like, I'm Mary Eldridge, help, or, um, you know, something a little more straightforward. Very interesting. And I didn't do any research on this, but, I mean, I've kind of heard this before, that, like, I think official family crests have to be like registered and yes. recorded. Yep. They're unique, they're individual, blah blah blah. So 
Yeah, I yeah. I liked it too because the jeweler was like, "This is not my area of expertise." However, let me send it to my guy who is mm-hmm. an expert in family crests to like analyze I, this. I got and a I'm crest like, guy. Oh, more on that, please. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, very interesting clues. So, um, then I mean, may, maybe my favorite part of this whole book is the the mastery of disguise moment where Bess and Nancy dress up. Nancy dresses up as a little old lady. Bess dresses up as kind of a mean nurse and they rent a sedan to get into the property. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh, these, these women are like fearless. Fearless. I don't even want to like try to sneak into a party I've not been invited to. (laughs) No, no. And also we would be remiss if we did not caveat all of that with, they have multiple times refused to notify the police that this is happening or that they they're do. doing this because they're scared the police are going to raid this nursing home before they can get Mrs. Eldridge out. And if these bad guys see the cops coming, they'll, like, do something terrible to her to keep her from talking. So they're busted into this place incognito with no backup as far as we know. No, no back. I mean, they've got George with the busted ankle. Yes, hiding in the forest. Right, who's like in in the forest, like eating an ice cream cone. I mean, she's useless can, to them. Yes, I mean they have a plan A, end of plans. <laughs> no, no. What did you say <laughs> in the the episode with the the counterfeit ring? Like there was no exit plan <laughs> at all. No exit strategy. No, there was no exit strategy. There was no plan B. There was no like, if this happens, we'll do. I mean, that's how you wind up in cisterns. I'm just saying. Yup. Um, so also there's, there's a whole moment where Nancy knows she's being followed by this con. I mean, of course, all of these plots are interrelated. So like she knows she's being followed by this Adam Thorne, who's the convict on the loose. And he's tied with all these other nefarious people that are involved with this, you know, retirement home scheme. Um, and she knows she's being followed. So at one point. One of these dudes follows Nancy Bess and Drew into the forest and pushes Bess, like, down a hill. And they utilize this opportunity to, like, make them think it was Nancy and that she's going to be off the grid for a while because she's really badly injured. The reason this whole mistaken identity moment happened, though, is because they're all wearing dudes' parkas. (laughs) They can't distinguish three females wearing the same jacket. (laughs) No. All exactly the same. Which, haha, hilarious. However, like, on a complete side note, I have never in my life had a man do something as nice for me as these three guys did for these, for these girls. Like, they were like, you know what? It's going to be kind of chilly tonight. Let's go ahead and, like, send our jackets over. We're not even going to see them tonight, but let's go ahead and send them our jackets over so they don't get cold walking home. That was really sweet. You're right. Yes. I'm like... The boyfriends. Oh my the God. boyfriends showed up in a great way in this book. Yeah. Yes. I mean, maybe this is why I have high expectations. Like, I don't want to tell you... I just saw something on TikTok yesterday that reminds me of this so much. It's <laughs> this is woman going like, you didn't do anything wrong, but I don't want to tell you that I want flowers. If I have to tell you I want flowers, like, it's you need to know that you need to do it. You Intuit know? it. Yes. Yeah. Think I, about me for a second. 
I com- be proactive. I think we be can say proactive. Be be proactive. Okay. Exactly. <clears throat> Next, we have creepy sanatoriums. Yes, I was hoping you would talk about this. I love a creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate it, but I love a creepy sanatorium. Well, it's the last place you want to wind up. I mean, no. aside from like a Halloween s- scenario. No, dude. Like those ghost hunter shows where they're like, "We're going to go into this abandoned sanatorium." I'm like, "You're insane. You could not pay me any amount of money." I would not, for a billion dollars, be like, hey, here's a flashlight and a backpack. You're going to sleep by yourself in this abandoned sanatorium. Uh-uh. No. No amount of money. So I am terrified of it. Oh, I would do it. it for an amount of money. If anyone's out there listening, I have a price. You're in... That's crazy. That's... Oh, God. That is like my worst nightmare, but I'd love to read about it. <laughs> I mean, there there would be like a lot of commas behind that number for me to do it. But like, there is a price I would do it for. I wouldn't survive. I would not make it through the night. <laughs> In, in Nancy's defense, I got no idea that this was, like, a haunted evil sanatorium. No, but, like, ooh. It was full of bad guys. Murderous bad guys. Yeah. Yes. And consomme laced with tranquilizers. Yes. So that's not great. That was a classic. I knew that was going to come up when they... I think they, she sees them, like, bring Mrs. Eldridge dinner. I was like, I bet there's sleepy pills ground up in that. And they're, like, mm-hmm. keeping them quiet. And sure enough, they were drugging the patient. Oh, man. It had all of your classic, uh, what's the, who's the the doctor from? One Flew Over the, No, oh. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't there's know. I mean, show. I know Nurse Ratchet. Ratchet. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> Who like there's some the doctor, some nurse ratchet vibes going on here. I mean, to be fair, he was lobotomizing people, but she wasn't helping. So, um, <laughs> I mean, she was helping. So in that way, she wasn't helping. So, um, also by the by, maybe I'm revealing things we shouldn't, but like for our Nan- our unofficial Nancy Drew cookbook that we're actively working on, yes. um, TM Simon and Schuster call me up um i have added a new recipe idea to that list which is rice pudding with tranquilizers so (laughs) who are you gonna have taste test for this cookbook i don't know i mean i'll i'm gonna probably make it like a shot of z quill that you can like add at the end or not depending on whether or not (laughs) you're interested in like falling asleep within 10 minutes after eating or not so just an option yeah like you know you can it can it can be a virgin rice pudding or you know. Night 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 pudding night night, night pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Elders is night night pudding. Um, <laughs> uh, also, with this, I just I love the thing that um, they all thought they were going for like like the fountain of youth is going to spring up out of the middle of like the larkspurs. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah all it the was, old ladies going there it was like they were promised that we have this cure that will restore your youth. And they were like, dope. That sounds great. And I believe you. And I am in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's bounce. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there, there, there is all kinds of good stuff. I mean, you just got to read the book, you know, I mean, I kind of guess that's why we're doing a podcast. So you don't have to, I mean, I'm just like, why do I have to tell you about it? Just go read the book. But that kind of defeats the purpose of the podcast. So we, we um, are the cliff notes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Um, that concludes my section. Great. Well, I would like to speak about real world river heights. I said it right this time. (laughs) You did. I can tell you've been practicing. Numero uno, 
You know what I'm going to say. I don't even have to say it. I know, Helen, of course I know what you're going to say. I texted you about it. Helen is back. Helen is back. And I remember the last time we saw Ellen, you and I had a conversation on this podcast around, do you think we'll ever see her again? And I think I said no. I think I straight up mm-hmm. said that was it for yeah, our time you with Ellen. She was, she was bye-bye. I was wrong, and I've never been more happy to be wrong. She is back. She is still a gem. Um, she seems happy. She's married she to does. her oil baron from overseas, who we yeah. finally meet. He says one sentence, but he seems nice. Well, um, and he's, he's like a safe driver. He, totally. He's taken And, and he's he, taken didn't, care he of didn't spirit her off to Europe. No, he didn't, which we thought was going to happen. That yeah. she, yeah. So I think marriage looks good on her. She seems happy. I, I still don't really know what she does other than just go around and be wealthy, but she's very nice to people, and that is all I care about. Um, yes. Still incredibly jumpy, as you have pointed out. Yes. She's, she's, she's got a nervous moment in life. Like, maybe somebody should be crushing an anxiety pill into her, into yeah. her porridge. They take, like, a two-meter stride out of the house to try to investigate this blue ring of fire, and she, like, steps on a twig and screams, and it scares the bad guys away. I was like, Helen, come on. But, like, Helen. bless her. I love her. Helen, um, if okay. you can't do better than that, stay in the house. Like, Just don't participate. We got, we got mysteries to solve, baby. Okay, my next point I wanted to raise, and I don't even know if you clocked this character, but I did. Nancy at the beginning contacts the pigeon association that has like 18 <laughs> words in the name. And I know exactly what you're going to say now. Mm-hmm. A, a young man from the pigeon association federation of homing Donald. bird fancers. Donald. Yes. Donald, Donald. B. Jordan. He comes all the way to Nancy's house mm-hmm. and Effie, the temporary mate, everybody's like, Oh, hello. Donald B. Jordan. Oh, oh <laughs> like, Donald B. Donald B. Jordan. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. He, I think they say he's like 20 years old. He's like blonde and blue eyed, but like mm-hmm. everyone is kind of like swooning. Nancy doesn't notice, but everyone else is like, oh, he is real cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the secretary of the local branch of the yes. Pigeon Association. So, so like, like, he's a, he, like he has a business card, does he not? He does. And so, like, you know, real man in power. Secretary of the local <laughs> River Heights branch of the Pigeon Fanciers Association. Real men in power. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm dying, Karen. Yes. So, like, yes. who doesn't love all of these facts about Donald B. Jordan? And I I was like, man, he could, he would have been in the boyfriend bracket if, oh, for we, sure. if we weren't where we were with Ned right now. If we weren't all booed up, as you say. And I think I would have maybe put him as a top contender because his job is hilarious well do you okay i mean do you think it's his job or do you think this is his hobby as in like Uh, at one time i was the president of a modern quilt guild it's like it paid me negative dollars he's like in the ham radio truck driving club kind of thing yeah you know good point and he's the He's the secretary too, like which do they have a lot of funds coming into the Pigeon Association to manage? I don't know. Well that would be treasurer. Oh, oh, you're right. <laughs> so Don uh, is the note taker. He's please. he's sending out the letter to the other pigeon fanciers in the area. It's like we are gonna we're gonna have our monthly board meeting this week. Please be sure to uh John, you're on coffee cake duty this month. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that as secretary, he sends out the newsletter 45 individual times, each carried by carrier pigeon. I 
hope so. But it, but the carrier Did pigeon is Did you say, John, you're on coffee cake duty? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's his job. Like, who's going to do what this month, you know? <laughs> do you say it fanciers or fanciers? Oh, now I say it fanciers. <laughs> yeah. Homing pigeon fanciers. Um, okay. Well, so at any rate, Donald B. Jordan clearly did not win the boyfriend bracket because... Boo, 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 boo. Ned is on the scene, as we know. Mm-hmm. And we learned new facts about Ned this week. At least they were oh, new to sure me. Do. I may have missed this before. Ned is Nancy's resident chemistry expert. Karen, I wrote it down too. I was like, did we know he was a chemist? That makes me feel better. Because she she finds some clues in the woods around this blue ring of fire. And it's like, this looks like it's got chemicals on it. I better take it to Ned. And I, in my mind, I said, Why? <laughs> Why are we bringing this to Ned? What's he going to do? He's going to, like, stuff it in a a football? Right. And then when she presents them to Ned, she says, what does my resident chemistry expert think about this? And I'm like, oh, didn't know. Um, Who knew? It sounds like he has also had some happenings with fireworks in the past. He's very knowledgeable about fireworks, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, yes, he is a frat boy. Um, Did it remind you, did that remind you of our father at all? Uh, Completely. Are we allowed to talk about this on the podcast? I think he's probably past the point of prosecution, yeah. So dad, when he was a a young fella, a college fella, I don't even really know how this happened, but he found some like cherry bombs and was lighting them and testing them out, we'll say, and blew up up his Mm -hmm. own pants leg, which... Was it our our mother had to fix them so his parents wouldn't find out, or like I don't even know. But <laughs> I don't I don't know that part of the story. But uh, I was I I always end up laughing so hard at the because I isn't isn't the story that he was like throwing them out his car window and one of them ricocheted back in and exploded like that is correct on and he, him and yeah. he was driving so he couldn't <laughs> pull over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so hopefully we're not disowned now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but I think he has the same kind of, like, incendiary expertise as Ned does for the same Indeed. reasons. Indeed. Right. He, d- he didn't go to bomb school. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. um, my final thoughts on Ned, he's just a really good sport, man. Like, yeah, he, dude, he is. He rolls. He's just, like, hanging out in the dark in a gang lair waiting for a carrier pigeon mm-hmm. from his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, He's, like, renting and flying sailplanes around with the police to save some old ladies. I mean, I think he's just, he's a special guy. He's hanging in there. Oh, yeah. He's hanging in for sure. All the while, he's, like, going to college and working. Yes. So he's, there, I mean, again, time has passed. So I'm, I need to, I'm to the point now where I'm like, okay, I need to suspend my disbelief a little bit more. And I need to, I'd already suspended my disbelief about the crimes she was solving i let that go before we ever started this i had not (laughs) let go my suspension of disbelief about the timeline i've been trying really hard to make that work and it became clear to me this week that i need to let go of that because she will be 35 by book 20 at this rate if we actually keep things going in in order i agree because it's been summer and then it's been winter and then it's been summer like six times in a row and then it's been Mm -hmm. winter but of the same yeah it's there's no there is no timeline. It's um, been summer twice, just in the Walter Carrick rain. <laughs> yes. Which is three books. So two different summers. Anyway, uh, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, Ned continues to impress. He is worthy of Nancy so far. 
He's yeah, he's a good sport, as you said. I'm a huge he's fan. He he mm-hmm. should get the final rose. Mm-hmm. As of right now, as of what we know right now, <laughs> he gets my first impression rose. But Donald mm. B. Jordan hasn't been voted off the island yet. He's still around. Um, oh, my last thing I wanted to talk to you about in this section, mm-hmm. I would like to talk about Bess. Yes, please. Bess, I love Marvin. her. I love her too. And something really fantastic happened in this book where I feel like Bess finally got the credit that she is due. Say more words. So there's a moment where they're slinking around the woods of this mansion and Bess is really selling herself short. She's basically like, I'm the scaredy cat of this group. Oh my God. And Nancy interjects, that's not, that's not actually true, Bess. You have been several steps ahead of both of us multiple times. And I flashed back to when Bess sailed that river horse, that land horse across the river. I was like, Bess is super brave. She does have good ideas. Um, I And so I was really glad to hear her get some A props. little affirmation. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And, you're, and you're totally right. I mean, if it comes right down to us, if it comes right down to it, Bess is the smartest of the three of them. Because yeah. she is the one who routinely is like, this is not a good idea. Let's just call the cops. And then they're like, no, Bess, you can sail that, that road horse across the river. You'll be fine. Um so she's not, I think, I think Bess's downfall is she might be the smartest one. However, when her friends say, I'm going to jump off this bridge, she goes ahead and does it too. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So. Um, she busted a funny in this book that I cracked up about. So Bess is like not stoked on the, the, the slinking through the woods because she's like, there's going to be snakes. And I was like, Kelly cannot yes. escape the snakes. And no, but I, but I was like, you're correct, Bess. There will be. This is also why I don't go into the woods. That mm-hmm. is, that is, that is a high snake priority zone. There, w- there will be. And she, at one point she's, just, she like shudders and goes like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nancy and George ask her what's wrong. And she says, it sounded like something one of us would say she goes <laughs> she's like everything's fine i just i thought i stepped on something alive <laughs> i yes. could just hear us and like see one of us doing that like oh god like was it <laughs> was it okay it was a stick it wasn't alive okay continue on <laughs> i mean I, yes it that cracked me up and also i went like best i see you and i'm even more convinced now that these books are why i am the way i am yeah Totally, and I, I am a bess, it. and I want a t-shirt. Like I want the, I want the shirt. I am a bess. I yes. I have a so. list, a post-it note, by this computer of the things that we talk about in these episodes. And I'm like, well, I'll get you that for your birthday. <laughs> it's getting very long, so stand by <laughs> for your best t-shirt. Well, I mean, I think that needs to be merch. Oh, I am a bess. Yeah, I'm a bess. Um, my my favorite funny in this was also a George Bess moment. So I'll put it in this section. Um, Bess says, I'm not sure I want to meet any kidnappers. And George says, no, don't be a snob. I remember that. And I, I read that like four times because <laughs> what? Like it, it would be like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's basically George is like, she's, she's kidding or like, don't be so snobbish that you're above kidnappers. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't, what? Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a snob. Don't be a snob, Bess. Kidnappers, oh. kidnappers are people, too. <laughs> Precisely. Let's continue. Um, 
what are we doing next? We've kind of been rotating our sections. What do you what do you have for me? I decided to keep it going this week with it would have been awesome if. Oh yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Okay. It's not Whimsy. Criticism. This is just yeah. you know, food for thought. Okay. Whim- whimsical ideas. When when we're hired to rewrite these screenplays, we may make some changes. So Number one, it would have been awesome if Mrs. Eldridge was in on the whole scheme and was was the, like, lure, helping to trick the other old ladies to come to the sanatorium. <gasps> oh, that's, yes. And yes. even had it not been Mrs. Eldridge, okay, because she, she was a critical component to the, although, like, man, wouldn't it have been great if, you know, on the way out the gate she double-crossed Bess and da-da-da-da, and Bess got thrown down the cistern, too. But... This idea of, I think one of the scariest things in true crime is when there are, like, couple couples operating together and yeah. no one ever suspects women and women with children. So, so when it's, like, a woman saying, come with me, it's even that much scarier. So, so like, this, this having, like, uh, somebody on the inside would have made it even scarier i think but i agree anyway. oh and that could be really funny like oh that sounds wrong but it would have been it actually it would have been funny if like mrs eldridge was one of our classic actor scenarios in these books where it's like i'm a stage actress and i'm mm. actually mm-hmm. 35 but i start out in the sanatorium with like age makeup on and then all these other women see me slowly get younger and they are like, oh, it's working, you know? Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. That would have been that would have been awesome. Oh man, I can see it now. Like, uh-huh. yes, that would have been so cool. Totally. I'm here for that. Yeah. Um Okay, so this harkens back to something we talked about in my earlier section, the Ring of Fire. Ooh, yeah. It would have been great had there been a Ring of Tire tieback. So it seemed completely out of nowhere. We're going to like, and as Ned describes it, like this would have been a very complicated thing to make and they have to have an asbestos lined box that they can close the thing in to douse it and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. So this is a pretty complicated thing to do when you could send a note. I'm just saying. <laughs> or <So>, a pigeon. <laughs> or, or in this case, a pigeon. Um. It would have been really great if we had found out that this blue ring of fire was the calling card for the gang before they all got sent to prison. Oh. Or it was, you know what I mean? So this was like, all of a sudden, Morgan thinks he's home free. He's been out of prison. He's been working for this nice family for 15 years. He, th- You know, he hasn't thought about his old life in a decade. And then all of a sudden, one night, he looks out the window and sees this blue ring of fire. And he knows what it means. Because, you know what I mean? Like, if it had yeah. been... And maybe, I think that's what it was, you know? But they never said that. So it's it never just... addressed, yeah. No. Um... You know, totally it's like good. I kept thinking like it's like the wet bandits in Home Alone. <laughs> How so? Well, at least they had the good sense to be like, we are the wet bandits. And we're gonna <laughs> Okay. Like maybe these guys were the blue ring of fire bandits. Yeah, yeah. They've got like matching enamel pins on their jackets. <laughs> there you go. Merch. Merch number two. 
You gotta We have talked about this a lot. You gotta get the branding nailed if you're gonna have Your a crime is syndicate. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how else are you gonna open a roadside attraction? <laughs> gotta get the word out. Uh, okay. Next idea. Nancy accepts the camp counselor position that she's offered and summarily turns down in the book because she already has a job, which I'm like, girl, no, you don't. It's She's making zero dollars. <laughs> you do not have a job. You have, you have a hobby, which you're extremely good at, but like you are still in the amateurs. You need, you have not gone to the Olympics yet, baby. Like you are, you do not have a job. You get offered a job and you say, no, thank you. So, it would have been amazing if she had accepted the camp counselor position and then like the next three books are all about her teaching kids how to like make lanyards <laughs> and she gets to figure out like which horrible little boy stole some little girl's diary <laughs> and like which Gilbert dumped Anne's pigtails, you know? Totally. Right. I can picture that as a movie as well. It's like a SNL mm-hmm. cast where she's just like, womp, womp, like the sad babysitter. And <laughs> that's what, like, inspires her to then become Elle Woods and go to legal school or something. Yes. <laughs> like... Yes. I and, love and then that. She can, and then she can actually be w 9 you know? Yeah. And yeah. She needs bennies. Yeah. You would think. But apparently she doesn't because... She gets a brand new car. So that brings me to suggestion last. Wouldn't it have been amazing if she had crashed that brand new convertible? I thought she was gonna. I, I fully thought she was gonna destroy that car the mm-hmm. second she got in it. Because aren't they, they're driving it through the forest and like yes. parking it and hit. And I, yes. I was like, this car is also going to get screwed. <laughs> I mean, my car is 12 years old. And I would not drive it into underbrush and shrubbery off. Much, I mean, can you imagine? Well, and she doesn't... Listen, I may be a big Subaru fan. This this podcast is not sponsored <laughs> by Subaru. But, like, she's not driving a Subaru Crosstrek. She's driving a sports car convertible that is not intended to be off-roading. Correct. And yet it continues to off-road. <laughs> and presumably, this is her second brand new convertible in two years because if she is 18 then her first convertible would have been approximately two years prior so it has taken her two years to bust up her car to the point where her dad i'm like i don't know what's happening i guess she doesn't need a job is the end of is the end point but our dad would never speak to us again if we were like that new convertible you just got me I drove it into a lake trying to solve a mystery. Got a little dinged up. <laughs> like, well, what'd you do? Um, well, I... There was uh, a clue. There was a clue. I chased it. That meant I had to drive this thing under a whole bunch of shrubbery. Scratches ensued. I mean, oh it's gone. It's so, gone now. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, the, so, so those would be my tweaks. I love that. I am very interested in pulling on the thread of the Mrs. Eldridge double crossing Mm -hmm. idea. I think you got something there. I think a double cross is always interesting. It would go a long way. Yeah. It would go a long way. I mean, you know, Nancy, for the first time, she kind of had a little moment of self-doubt in this book because she, her her whole sting operation at uh, Helen's grandparents, the Corning's house, kind of went awry. Huge failure. 
through really no fault of her own, but, you know, it just didn't work right. It kind of was through fault of her own, right? It was a dumb idea. (laughs) It was not a great idea. Um, There there was, it was a whole, like, have you seen Noises Off? I have. That's all I kept picturing as she was describing that whole plan. Like, they're going to come in. And when they come in, then, you know, I'm going to close this door and lock it from the outside. And then Bess is going to sneak in and she's going to close the other door and lock it from the outside. And then the boys are going to radio to the guy. And then the guy's going to do this. And then the dude, and I was like, and, but where are the sardines? Like, keep it simple. Yeah, it was too, it was too complicated. It had too many dependencies. My program manager self would say too many dependencies means high risk. Yes, multiple points of failure. Yes. Yes, and that point of failure was Morgan, so, or Jeeves, as you called him. So, yes, I. but I think, but Nancy did have a little moment of self-doubt, but, you know, I think it would be interesting to see if Nancy got double-crossed at some point, what that does to her self-confidence and how she bounces back from that. Yeah, and her general approach, how her general approach changes. Mm-hmm. On vetting her trust system, which is way too loosey-goosey right now. Oh, it's it's very open. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Should we talk then? Final section. Who is Nancy Drew in this book? Which I have also... Do you have the hiccups? I have the hiccups. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's so adorable. I, um, I, okay. I ate those Reese's cups too fast. You take some deep breaths, but I have made an executive decision to co-name this section from Who is Nancy Drew to Nancy's Never-Ending Resume. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So um, I'm going to start with, this is more of who she is than resume. There was a deeply weird moment early in this book where Nancy starts fantasizing about what she would have been like 2,000 years ago. Do you remember this? Yes, that was super weird. She's gazing out upon a field of flowers, and she says to Helen, oh, if it were 2,000 years ago, and Helen goes, not Helen, sorry, Hannah asks her, what? Correct question. Mm-hmm. And Nancy Excuse says, mm-hmm. if it was 2,000 years ago, I would be a Grecian maiden praying in the temple of Apollo at Delphi for her father's olive groves to be healthy. For my father's olive grove to be Carson's. (laughs) And I would be praying for our our vines to be abundant with grapes. And I would be praying for my father's nets to be heavy with fish. And I thought I had fallen into like a time-space continuum. I was like, what is happening? What book are we reading? We have never had a moment quite like that in the Nancy Mm -hmm. Drew series. Um so, no, you're totally right. It was a very contemplative moment for uh-huh, her. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's also not... Also, I'm like, your father isn't going to grow olives and grapes and fish. Like, no. pick a lane, Nancy. Her dad is going to be, like, the guy in charge who's subjugating the poor people. I don't know. Like, Carson yeah, is not... Yeah, he's, like, at the right hand of Caligula or something. Yeah, Carson is not a man of manual labor, so fishing he would not be. Anyway, it was just, like, an element of whimsy we have never seen Nancy have before. So that was weird. Um, and was, I mean, not for nothing, is that only 2,000 years ago? I didn't It seems do like it should be longer ago than that. I didn't do the math. That would be zero, the year zero... The year 20. Ooh, the fly's back. 
And does he anyway. also have does he also have the hiccups? <laughs> he does. He's like <laughs> you'll, you'll hear it in the recording. Yeah. Um I was excited that Ornithology came back to be a handy resume filler mm-hmm. in this book. Once um, again. We got the pigeons, but specifically I put this on her resume again because <laughs> the pigeon falls from the plane and she examines the pigeon's body for broken bones and is like mm-hmm. oh don't I worry i checked fine. for broken bones but i'm gonna give him a clear bill of health like mm-hmm. this 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 pigeon's okay yeah and and then she's like she loves him she loves she, that little bird she won't even let donald j what's his name take him she does love the bird and it's not just out of opportunity like uh, this bird's gonna lead me to more clues she's like i'm gonna nurse it back to health so there was like a little snow whitiness to her she did. I mean, she stuck out her proverbial little finger and, like, you know, this sad little decrepit carrier pigeon landed on it and she petted it and said, I love you. And then she promptly stuck it in a box in her garage. But, you know, it, she, she, sang. she was she sang to it. I'm sure. She was a little snow whitey. So that was cute. Um, also, okay. was, was the little boy, Johnny, who let the bird out of the box, wasn't that the same little boy that um, I don't know got the detective badge? I don't know. And then she what gave book two was jars that? The of candy letter? too. Yes. The I letter. was wondering the same thing and I, I was have the book right here. Please so deep. Tommy, no, it's a different stupid little boy. It was Tommy. Yeah. Maybe ooh, was I maybe this was Tommy's friend. Maybe this remember, is a continuity said, error. I need a I need I need candy for my friend too. I think this was just lazy writing. Another random little boy. Yeah. Anyway. Um Okay, so here are the things that are, like, the normal Nancy Drew resume things one would expect. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say these quick because there's a bunch. Blue ribbon winning florist. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, like, excellent at growing and arranging flowers so much that she wins a blue ribbon. Um, She wins, like, an impromptu diving competition at a summer camp. Yes. She leaps from a great height, slices through the water like a titian haired butter knife they're like you're amazing (laughs) well there is the name of the episode (laughs) (laughs) nancy drew the titian haired butter knife yeah man it's like so good at diving that they offer her a job at the camp because apparently that is the number one credential to be able to work with children like you dive real good you can work with these kids have you committed Um, any crimes never mind not important your dive is great yeah yep um incredible like free face rock climber i don't think that's what that's called but she like uh bouldering like when you just climb up a sheer cliff well i'm yeah i'm quite sure it's not called bouldering no it is in the rock climbing world really bouldering is when you just climb up the face of a rock cliff without like stuff you're like i'm just gonna climb this thing bouldering yeah is, it's true. Oh my gosh. What is the difference between bouldering and rock climbing? I shouldn't have been so dismissive. The most noticeable difference between the two is the height that you climb. Bouldering is a type of rock climbing that doesn't require a rope or harness because you only climb up 12 to 15 feet. Rock climbing requires a rope and harness. Well, you're correct, Karen. Yeah, she was bouldering in this book. <laughs> she was. She was escaping Silence of the Lambs is what she was doing. Yeah, so she falls down a well. She climbs up a rock wall using nothing but a nail that she Mm -hmm. pulls out of a board to create Mm -hmm. handholds like that is elite rock climbing so that's on her resume um 
I would just she... be at the bottom singing like Oh Danny Boy immediately. No, I'd be like, This is it. Farewell yeah. to um, my friends and family. Farewell, Dear sweet world. Yeah, it's yeah. done. Um she knows a lot about planes. <laughs> she sure does. She knows how to let gas out of a pat like a small plane, which I Yeah, with, without even having to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like, I'm pretty sure it's under the wings. Oh, found it. Like Drains also, of plane. I, I brought it up before, but she uses the word fuselage. I mean, is that is that a word people know? I know that word, but only because I live in Seattle and one of the main industries in Seattle, other than fishing, that like built Seattle and, is and serial killers, but go on. Also serial killers, but Boeing <laughs> is here. Karen, and so, I lived in Charleston. Boeing was also in Charleston. I do not know fuselage. Yeah, fuselage is like the, You're the main than I am. That's part of the plane. No, I just, there's a, a Boeing museum here. So I have been exposed. Have you been to it? No, I refuse to go, but I've heard about well, so, it. People... <laughs> so did you just osmose fuselage from like people, driving past the Boeing museum that you didn't people go People talk in? about it. I had a coworker <laughs> that I really loved who worked for Boeing and he was like, <laughs> it was so crazy because I would walk through the factory and um, it was just part of my job. I would walk through the factory and like a whole fuselage of a plane would just fly over your head because they're just, it's on a crane and there's just a whole plane body what's, just sailing just, over. What's what's the plural of fuselage? Fuselonies. That's, no, that's the Italian of fuselage. <laughs> I don't know. Fusel, fuseli? Is it fuselages? F- probably. Just, just slap an S what's, on it. What's, what's the plural of Pegasus? Anyway, moving on. So, um, <laughs> I, my last thing that I had added about, uh, our friend Nancy was that I was just like, girl, you're spoiled. You got another new convertible, but we already beat that dead horse, that dead mm-hmm. flying horse. So I won't say any more about that. Um, yeah. but basically she's, she's, good. she's like a poet in this book. She's a bird lover. She's a florist a diver, a rock climber, and a an aviator. And an aviatrix, yes. Yeah. Any well, additions what, that you have? The, the only addition I have to make is her line at the very end of the book, which isn't necessarily notable in Nancy land, but it is in reference to some of the other books we've done. She says at the end, Ned says, I'm going to run out and find you a new mystery to solve because I know that's what you want more than anything. And she goes, great, but make it very, very complicated and unique. <gasps> She does, which is what the little boy says in yes. Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler. Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler. He keeps saying, make it complicated. Claude, Claudia, make it more complicated. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So I thought that was fun. So, Interesting. hey, listen, we got we to start doing her resume for real. I mean, she is highly employable, I would say, if she wants a job. So You're supposed to keep your resume on one page, and I don't know how we're going to do this with yeah. Nancy, but uh, we'll try. Yeah. Uh, so I have a few open questions for you. Are you ready? Yep. So is Effie going to come back? Because I think I love her. Like, okay. She is so fun, so colorful, so different from everybody else in these books. Like, she's she's best times a thousand. She loves the movies. She loves TV. She has costumes. She says, you know, she's got the canon thing. You know, like, is she coming back? I mean, she's got to, right? If not, why was she even there? Well, we should explain. I don't know if we've really explained who she was. So, as Effie, Effie is like Hannah Gruen's niece. niece. 
Yes. And when Hannah throws her back out, Effie's like, hey, I'll come help out as your housekeeper in the meantime. And agreed. She was awesome. And I loved her. So I would be really excited if Effie came back. Yes. Me too. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Has your opinion of Helen changed now that you've (gasps) seen Helen Archer instead of Helen Corning? Why do you ask? Should it have? Well, no. I think I was just disappointed that she didn't get to participate in the solving of the mystery because she has to go home and, like, take care of Jim. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't love that either. It's not an indictment of Helen. It's an indictment of the Times, potentially, but... Yeah. I think she even... You raise a good point because she does volunteer to stay and help. Mm-hmm. and spend the night and I think her grandmother says specifically I'm not even misquoting this I know this is what she said because I wrote it down somewhere she said your place is at home with your husband you need to go mm-hmm. be with Jim and I mm, yeah. I wanted to like have a moment of Helen's internal internal monologue there it's like wait a minute I've sunk boats with Nancy before you don't know me <laughs> thank you <laughs> I've sunk boats with her before. I do what I want, Grandma. I sunk an entire speedboat. It's Jim. You can warm up a plate of leftovers, can't you? He is fine. Get him a hungry man dinner. Flip on the microwave. Namaste. But he can take care of oil deals in Europe. I'm sure he can like reheat some green beans. Yeah. So my opinion of Helen hasn't changed, but I'm still not quite over being slightly worried about her slightly worried and like i'm not sure that we'll ever see her again after this i think this might have been our last hurrah we've said it before mm-hmm. i'm not don't let go don't give up hope yeah never let go uh and and last question um is it really that easy to follow a bird in your car <laughs> arguably my favorite part of the book so the, so so the part is essentially uh Nancy is nursing this homing pigeon back to health so that when it gets strong enough, she can follow it back to its home and hopefully find the crooks, the villains. And it gets out. It's not super strong, which turns out to be a good thing because she's able to follow it a little bit easier. But, I mean, that bird really um, stayed parallel to some major roots. (laughs) Yes, just flying along the highway, making sharp lefts and sharp rights when a road came up. That was fantastic. (laughs) It was my favorite part. I was like, let's try that. So So my answer to your question is no, it's not that easy to follow a bird (laughs) in your car. That's not real. Next time you're here, we'll try it. Um, All right. I have decided that this week we are going to rate the password to Larkspur Lane in honor of Mm. George... Out of the 12 possible sprained ankles. Perfect. Going to be hard to capture graphically, but I support you. You can do it. What is your rating, Kelly Biscupink? I give it 12 out of 12 sprained ankles. Shut up. No, we've finally done it. I loved it. It, It's by (laughs) far my favorite Nancy book. Like, by far. Um, The cistern escape and the entire infiltration plan that she concocts with... The costumes and the sailplanes and the carrier pigeon, et cetera, like the best. And just, I, I loved it all. Like it never got boring. And arguably this was the book where the driving around component was most necessary for the plot because they were driving yeah. around yeah. looking for this, but it didn't get boring. So 
Loved it. Lo- I love that we know this world now. We basically knew all of the players. We had, we had rough, they weren't all just like random people. Um, I love the lake house with the man-made beach and I want to go to there. So I, in my defense, I originally awarded this 15 out of 12 possible <laughs> sprained ankles. However, okay. it lost three for a criminal enterprise that rely, relies entirely on grandmas not telling their grandchildren where they're going to be. Ooh. I thought that yeah. was kind of a, a bit of a um, talk about points of failure. Like, yeah. that could have easily gone awry. So, yeah. What do you yeah. give it? All right, so I will do the math first. I gave this book a thousand sprained ankles. <laughs> That's for, a lot. Yeah, because of what I said before, like now with more badass, like Nancy was yes. awesome in this book. She slashed tires, she drained an airplane of fuel, and she climbed up a cistern wall with a nail. Like yes. a thousand sprained ankles for that alone. However, then I subtracted most of those thousands of sprained ankles for the plane crash on page one. So my net score, when you do the math on that very calculated system I just gave you, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 12 sprained ankles. That's fair. Um, So just to be clear, that's really easy math. You deducted 990 sprained ankles for an almost plane crash? (laughs) Yes, because I am not here for that. I'm so sorry, Karen. I like I knew you didn't like planes, but I didn't think it was that much. So it's now it's real bad. It's real bad. Um, <sighs> moving on from my phobias and mathematical foibles, what? I, that was good, right? Was a, that was a lot of good fuss. I've fuss. got a I've got a degree in poetry. <laughs> I, I can tell. Uh, what are we going to read next week? Next week we are continuing chronologically. And we will be tackling Nancy Drew and the Clue of the Broken Locket, uh, which, having taken a brief gander of the cover, George has your haircut on the cover (laughs) of this book. Excellent. um, Which looks equally great on her as it does on you. And there is a canoe. So I'm thinking that we may be back to boating incidents, which makes sense because we're back to Mildred Wart Benson. Yep. Yep. We haven't had a, yeah, I, we haven't had a boating accident in a little while. Well, we sure haven't. Actually, there was a speedboat moment in this, but the boat didn't sink, so we're, I'm ready. I'm Correct. ready for sinking a canoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Well, uh, everyone, thank you again for listening. As we always say, we love you very much. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you're so inclined. Tell your sleuthy friends about us, and uh, follow us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast. And Karen, remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the password to Larkspur Lane. Oh, in a very different way than we've mentioned before. Always tell someone where you're going. In this case, if you are a 90 year old woman and you are signing yourself into a remote sanatorium where they're going to rejuvenate your youth, at least leave a note behind. Uh As Nancy herself said, from now on, caution must be our password. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, it's me. (laughs) I just spaced out. And with that, happy sleeping. (laughs) I think you should keep that. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. 
The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W. Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-